Welcome to the Wesleyan Storytelling Project. I'm Mia Lobel, class of 1997. This week, we hear an extended interview with Diane Stein, class of 1981. My full name is Diane Susan Goldstein Stein, and I am from the class of 1981. I am now a proud parent of Matthew Stein, who's in the class of 2016. He's in his seventh week of, of life at Wesleyan University, and we live in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I love Wesleyan now as much as I did when I was here, so I'm thrilled that Matthew's here. I'm thrilled that he's already having his own version of, of a Wesleyan experience and an amazing Wesleyan experience, thank goodness, so far. Um, did you uh, did you have to encourage him to apply to Wesleyan, or did he do it on his own? He did it on his own. It was an interesting journey for him because he had been coming to Wesleyan since he was about a year and a half old because we come to pretty much every reunion. And as he was growing up, he always said, I'm going to Wesleyan when I grow up. And up until a few weeks ago, he actually had a fa his Facebook profile picture was a picture of, I think, two- or three-year-old Matthew with a little shirt that says Wesleyan University and it shows North College, and he actually still has, we still have it packed away, a little bib that said Wesleyan University. A, a friend of mine from here had given it to him when, when he was born, class of 2-0, question mark, question mark. Um, so he always thought he'd go here and wanted to go here. And then in, I guess it must have been the beginning of his senior year in high school, we, we, we came to the Wesleyan Sons and Daughters program junior year, and he was still very interested. And we visited a few other colleges because we said he should just, you know, compare other schools and, you know, make it his own decision. Wesleyan kind of encouraged us to, to realize that this is his decision, not our decision. We visited a few other schools in New England, and as we were getting closer, well, I guess it was in, in September— he said that Wesleyan, which had been his first choice, was now his second choice, and Yale was his first choice. And that threw me for a loop a little bit because I had visited, when I was a senior in high school, I visited Wesleyan and Yale on the same day, and Yale didn't appeal to me when we visited with Matthew. Yale still didn't appeal to me personally, but I was able to picture him at either school, and I sort of readjusted my mindset and thought I could picture him at either one. You know, wherever he'd be happy is good. And then we didn't really talk about it much. And I don't know exactly who he was talking to or what, how his thought process evolved. But about two weeks before his Yale interview, he called up. He was actually on the way home from a violin lesson in Philadelphia with my, my husband. He called on the phone. He said, I only want to go to Wesleyan. So, so that kind of threw me a little bit because I was sort of picturing him, you know, not that we knew for sure that he'd get into Yale, but I think he had a good chance there. So I said to him, keep your Yale interview, schedule a Wesleyan interview, and keep an open mind. And he did, and it was interesting because we went to the Yale interview, and we were in a dark, foreboding building, <laughs> and nobody spoke to each other at the admissions office. It was just very formal and I felt a little off-putting, and he had an interview with a student, a senior, and I think the interview was supposed to be 30 minutes. It was exactly 30 minutes. When Matthew came out, we thought we'd go to the, I think it's called the Commons, to eat lunch and to talk to other students, and he said, I have to get out of here. 
And we said, why don't we just stay and talk to some other student? I have to get out of here. So we stayed at a hotel that night, and the next morning, he actually had a little fever. I don't know why. Um, but he, he took Tylenol. He came to his interview here. He was fighting off some kind of a cold, nothing major. And we walked to the sunshiny admissions office here, and he had an interview here that lasted very long. He came out with a huge smile on his face. The interviewer had a huge smile on her face. Um, he said, I'm applying early decision. And it, it, it was an interesting process. But he talked to us afterwards, and he said he, he's, he's a very good musician, and music is a huge part of his life. And Yale has a wonderful music department, apparently, but it's geared more toward grad students. And even when we went on the, on the tour at Yale, we asked to see the practice studios. We were told it's for the grad students. We, weren't, we didn't feel welcomed. Here you walk in, you walk around, the secretary comes out and talks to you. It was just a very welcoming environment. And the other difference is the, the, um, the orchestra at Yale is a wonderful orchestra. They do a lot of wonderful classical music, um, very structured, difficult to get into. And the orchestra at Wesleyan doesn't have a permanent conductor right now. Matthew knew that. Um, people kind of float in and out of the orchestra. It's not necessarily consistent every semester. And Matthew decided, even though at the beginning of his college search process, he thought that was very, something that was very important to him, he realized during the whole process that he'd have a lot more freedom in the music department at Wesleyan to create his own experiences, to... Um, to make the music his own, to experiment, to be involved in ethnomusicology, which was something that's that's somewhat new to him. And already he's having an amazing experience. He's, he's already formed a klezmer group. They're applying for funding with Mark Slobin in the spring. Mark Slobin's going to be coaching him. He's taking the music in public life class with Mark Slobin. He placed out of the first two, he didn't even know why he did, but he took um, the test for music theory, placed out of the two more elementary classes, and somebody was talking about maybe he'll be a TA for this class at some point. He's so he's very excited. He has a lot of um, a lot of involvement already, a lot of excitement already. And I don't remember what the original question was, but <laughs> what are your first impressions and memories of Wesleyan when you were looking into schools, and how did it sort of fit your kind of model for what you what you would want out of a college? Well, I remember the first time I heard of Wesleyan, I was visiting a friend at Cornell in a summer high school program, and apparently my father, may he rest in peace, was talking to another parent, and I don't know exactly what they were discussing, but this other parent wrote the word, I still can picture the piece of paper, Wesleyan University, Middletown, Connecticut, in pencil in all capital letters, and said, you should look into this. So we did, and it looked like a good school. And I guess my requirements, my personal requirements at that point were that there was a good romance language department, a good music department, a Russian department, and enough Jewish students that I wouldn't feel like a real minority. Um, and Wesleyan had all of that. And I remember when we went on the tour, I can remember that too. I remember standing on the steps of North College with our tour guide, who was very outgoing and friendly. And I remember one thing that he said was that Wesleyan celebrates diversity, celebrates everyone being their own person. And that, that 
struck a chord with me. That was something that really impressed me, and it was something that was is very true. It was true when I was there. Apparently, it's still true. I think it'll always be true here. And I remember walking through the practice rooms, through the hallway of the practice rooms at the music studios, and just loving the fact that there were people, different music was coming out of the various rooms. And it um, must have been about three or four, three weeks probably, after this tour, which, as I mentioned before, was on the same day as the, the Yale tour, my father passed away of a heart attack suddenly, no warning. And being here kind of made me feel like my father was with me for another four years, which was something that was comforting now a little bit. I feel like Matthew, who never met my father, is at a school that my father walked those same steps, you know, across the, you know, the hallway of the music studios, walked down North College, College Row. But I just love the fact that that Wesleyan is so diverse and that Wesleyan really does celebrate um, the individual, celebrates each other's, the students celebrate, the students and the faculty celebrate each other's achievements. And that, that hit home a little bit also. I, I ended up, I didn't intend to become a music major, but I did become a music major. And I remember Naomi Amos, who was a, another piano teacher. She wasn't my teacher, but she was a, a friend had taught at the Eastman School of Music before coming to Wesleyan. And I remember, and I've, I've told my children about this on more than one occasion, that when she was at the Eastman School of Music, the students would sit in the audience during another student's concert and count, pick out all the mistakes and count the mistakes and, and apparently enjoy hearing other people's mistakes. And she said when she came to Wesleyan, she was so delighted and refreshed to see that people cheer each other on enjoy each other's accomplishments, and it was just such a different atmosphere. And I never could have been a music major at a school like that. I, I mean, I, I did it. It ended up being an indulgence for me. Tell me about that. How did that happen? What did you, what did you think you would major in, and how did, you, how did you end up as a music major? Well, when I came here, I guess I thought I would become a school teacher, probably an elementary school teacher. And my mother and most of her side of the family had all been teachers. And it was something that I think I felt fated to do. And I like children, and I like teaching, and I'm actually good at it. So that, that was in the back of my mind. And then when I started choosing courses, I think I actually declared a major. I'm thinking it was first I decided to major in psychology, and I think I was going to double major in psychology and something else. Could have been music. And I remember having conversations with George Barth, who was my piano teacher and became a close friend. And he assured me that I, I didn't have to want to or need to become a professional musician to major in music. That if there's any time of your life when you can indulge in in learning and studying and practicing, college is the time to do it. So he kind of assured me that it would be okay to do this. And so I decided to major in music, and I loved it. By my senior year, I was practicing the piano eight, ten hours a day. I gave a senior recital, which is like a dream right now, but it was an amazing experience. And it was just a very, um, very exciting time for me. When you think about Wesleyan now, if you sort of close your eyes and picture it, where, where are you and who are you with and what are you doing? Yeah, when I think about Wesleyan now and I think about where I was, where I spent the majority of my time, 
whom I spent my time with, I think of a few places. One is Mokan, <laughs> because that was the social center. You eat three, at least then we ate three meals a day there. And you'd walk into the the dining hall and scan the room if you didn't walk in with your friends to find people you knew or find people you had crushes on or find you know, people you wanted to sit with. And you'd sit there and just talk often for what seemed like hours, hours that went by very quickly. Um, I also picture myself in the music studios. I spent lots of time practicing. I remember I, I was in room 15 and room 22. These are the rooms with the best pianos, at least then. Room 29 might have been another one. Um, being upstairs on the third floor where there were lunchtime recitals, I was in a few of them, and I would go often to hear other professors and other students um, performing at these lunchtime recitals. I picture myself in Crowell Concert Hall, in um, the chapel. went to a lot of organ recitals with my friend Leslie Sund Stratton. <laughs> um, went to lots of all different kinds of concerts in Crowell. I love being in the World Music Hall and sitting on the carpeted steps and listening to gamelan music. Gamelan music was amazing. Um, very ethereal, very spiritual. Um, I, I picture myself a little bit learning how to play the kanjira, which is a South Indian drum. I actually wanted to learn how to play the mridangam, but I was told I should start with the kanjira. That was fun. And then I picture um, where I lived. I lived actually in Foss Hill for three years. I was a regular freshman the first year. Um, my second year, three other friends and I formed our own little pseudo-suite on a different Foss Hill floor, and then I was an RA also in Foss Hill my third year. And then three friends and I lived in a house on Fountain Avenue our last year, but we didn't spend a whole lot of time in the house. So I, I picture being on that street. I remember enjoying the fact that my piano teacher lived on that street, a clarinet teacher was his downstairs neighbor. Ed Blackwell, the drummer, lived diagonally across the street. Dirk Westervelt, who was a, an eternal graduate student in music, lived with George, my piano teacher. It was a fun combination of um, just some other nice students and some neat musical people on the street. And, and I remember walking around, just walking around the campus, and I, I used to write letters to my mother most days. They would often be continuing letters that I'd mail after a few days. And I remember walking around and just feeling so, I don't think I used the word blessed then, but now that that was the feeling that I had, just feeling very blessed to be on such a physically and emotionally beautiful campus. It was just, just all seasons were so pretty here. It was just a very, very special place to be. And I feel lucky now that my son is here, that we come, get to come visit often, or relatively often. Not just for, you know, special events. Right. Just visit. Right. More than once every five years now. Yeah. That's great. What, um, do you think you had, this is another question from the list, do you think, it, was there a moment of, of kind of intellectual awakening that you can point to in your time, in your time here, or, or a, a certain, a specific class or teacher you had that really kind of changed your, you know, changed your view or opened your eyes in a certain way? I didn't really have a particular moment of intellectual awakening, but um, there were two teachers who were very 
influential in a positive, warm way when I was here and who have had a lasting influence on me. One was my piano teacher, George Barth, um, who was just a, an incredible musician. Music flowed through every fiber of his being. Um, a very, he was also a very good man. I think he felt guilty for having to take money to teach. He would have preferred for people to just give him food for his meals and help him pay his rent. Um, just a very, a very good-natured, caring, warm person. And one maybe silly thing that I remember that he said that, that has, I guess, had a lasting influence on me as I was getting closer to my well, two things now that I think of it. Um, throughout my senior year, as I was practicing and practicing for my senior recital, I used to sometimes get frustrated that I didn't have time to do laundry or I had to take time to eat. And I, I wanted to fit in as much practicing as I could. And he talked to me and convinced me that we're all human and everybody has to do these things. And that's kind of helped me as, as I've been involved in big projects since college, that it's all part of being a person in the world. You're, you can't only be working on what you're working on. And then the other thing, which has been helpful to me, is as we were getting closer to my recital date, I think I probably had 10 days or two weeks left, and I still felt like I had an awful lot to accomplish to be able to perform. I was, I was performing about an hour and a half of all memorized music that you know I had set a certain standard for myself. And I remember George said, you have plenty of time left. And he sort of shifted how I thought of what originally seemed like just a mere few days to, to help me realize how much you can pack into any given, you know, smaller period of time. And it's true. It's, it, it helps you, I guess, create balance in how you approach projects that you have to do that, you know, you may not have the luxury of as much time as you'd like. Um, and the other teacher that had a big influence on me was David Ariel, who at the time was the Wesleyan um, Havara chaplain. And I took several religion classes with him, and the ones that I remember most are Jewish mysticism classes, and that was a new topic for me. That was interesting. But what I remember most about him was that he didn't lead services every Friday night. He got all of us to lead services, which was wonderful. And he became a good friend, and we'd sometimes sit and talk in his office or have lunch and talk. And at the time, for a while, I thought that I might want to become a rabbi. And he, I think he could see where I was at in a way better than I could in relation to that. And he told me that he thought I was more in love with the idea of studying and, and, and Jewish studying. And it's interesting. And I ended up not, um, I actually ended up going to law school after that. It's a whole other story. But now, now that I'm how many years? More than 30 years um, out of college, for the past seven years, I've been taking adult Jewish education courses. And this semester, for the first time, I'm studying Talmud with a teacher and four other students. And it's just luxurious. And it's, I think, something that I needed for a long time. And I love that I'm doing this now. And it's really enriching me as a person and um, having an effect on our whole family. So I think it's something that was starting then, but I didn't really know how it would evolve over time.
How have those lessons that you're talking about, that and the, and, the, and the use of your time, how have you applied those things to your life outside of Wesleyan? Well, I've been involved, not musically, I haven't really done much, unfortunately, with music personally since my son was born, my son who's now 18, um, but I've been involved in some other big projects. I helped save a local zoo. Um, about 10 years ago, and I, I was part of a group that formed a 501c3 nonprofit organization that ended up leasing the, what's now called the Lehigh Valley Zoo in Schnecksville, Pennsylvania, um, leasing it from the county, and we now we still manage it as a nonprofit organization. That's something I probably would not or could not have done without both my Wesleyan education and my CUNY Law School education. And I think of CUNY Law School as a law school version of Wesleyan, which is interesting. Um, and from there, I ended up chairing four big fundraisers for the zoo. One thing ended up leading to another in interesting ways. But I think what has helped me with these big projects and not only with the projects, but just taking on these projects to begin with, being the one to to basically start this grassroots effort that led to, to a nonprofit being formed um, and leasing the zoo, is not necessarily any particular thing that I learned at Wesleyan, but just learning how to learn and kind of the outlook on life that I acquired here and that I saw all around me here. And what is it, what is it about, about Wesleyan that, because I, I've heard that so many times that just the way that Wesleyan helps people to, um, helps people to think about the world and, and it, it leads them to do really great things or to seek out great things. What, what is it about Wesleyan that, that makes that happen? What do they, what is it that they offer? Or what is it that they offered you that sort of made your, changed your view in that way or made you think in those ways? Well, I think, what there is about Wesleyan that can get me and others to to want to do great things and to take on projects that might seem unsurmountable to somebody else is, well, number one, the fact that the school attracts other people who have a passion for what's important to them, a strong passion, and also when you're here, you're surrounded by a lot of people who celebrate you, who celebrate important causes, who want to do good in the world. So you see other people doing big, great things. And it, I think it can't help but encourage everyone to feel more empowered to be able to do things like that. And it doesn't hurt to read the alumni magazine and see what everybody's doing after they graduate. It's, it's, it's just supportive and encouraging. It's a, it's a very supportive and encouraging environment in which to be. And creative also. There's a lot of creativity here, a lot of um, encouragement from, again, from the faculty and from other students to not be afraid to make a mistake, to not be afraid to try something different, to be different, to do something that someone else might not do because they'd be afraid that they'd get laughed at, but to realize that the more important thing is to do it because it's important. So I think it's a combination of all of that. What is your hope for your son now that he's here at Wesleyan? Well, 
my hope for my son, now that he's here at Wesleyan, is first and foremost that he's safe and happy. <laughs> and beyond that, that he has his own version of what I experienced here. And I certainly want it to be his own version. And knowing him, it will definitely be his own version. But to just love almost every minute that he's here to um, to learn how to deal with the tough times. And everybody has different tough experiences as you go through college and life. And to be inspired by possibly and probably some teacher or some course or some other student who's involved in something that he may not even know exists yet. Um, we have certain family members who keep wanting to, do, wanting to know, what will Matthew do when he graduate, graduates from college? What is he going to be when he grows up? And, and Matthew is a, he's a, a very bright kid who has a lot of interests, and he's good at a lot of things. Um, and right now he's thinking he's going to do a triple major. <laughs> That's his, his goal right now, and it's actually changed a little bit from orientation day. He came in thinking that he was going to double major in music and economics, and my husband and daughter and I sat in Michael Roth's lecture, and it actually wasn't Michael Roth who, who said this, it was Dean Mike who gave us a whole speech about change being in the air, and it was a very inspiring speech, and he talked about how we're always confronted with change throughout our lives, and you have to learn how to deal with change, what to do with change, and I listened to all of this. And that night, Matthew called us on the phone, and he said there was some kind of a fair that day where the students all had a chance to meet different professors and read course descriptions. And he said, I looked at all of the economics courses. He said, I don't even want to take an economics course. He said, I'm changing already. So I said to him, did you hear the speech? He said, no. <laughs> and it was just very interesting to me to hear this reaction after we heard this speech. But um, then he went back and forth about economics for a while, ended up not taking economics this semester, may or may not in the future, but he is taking a computer science course that he loves, so that's, that's possibly part of his major. Music will always be one of his majors, I, I would think, just because he loves it so much. And now he's thinking of possibly doing a certificate or a third part of his major in Israel and Jewish Studies, which I think is surprising him a little bit because he was interested in becoming, you know, involved in the Jewish community, but I don't think he anticipated finding as many courses intellectually stimulating and interesting to him as he is. So I just want him to keep enjoying learning and keep enjoying finding new topics, new subjects, new courses, new ways of looking at things. And just from my own experience, one thing leads to another, and that leads to another, and just enjoy the ride and see where it leads you. And Wesleyan really makes that possible in a lot of ways. I think so. I think Wesleyan makes that possible. Um, any other stories that uh, you would like to share that I didn't ask you about or things that you want to tell us? I have one little funny story. During my freshman year, 
I lived in Foss Hill, in a Foss Hill dorm, and back then there were female halls and male halls. And one night, fairly early on, there was a party when the guys came to the girls' floor, and we mingled, and there was somebody who was a little bit drunk, and he came over, said hello, asked where I was from, and I said I was from New Rochelle, New York. And he said, oh, do you know Dick Van Dyke? The Dick Van Dyke show is from there. So I said, yes, as a matter of fact, I went to the prom with little Richie. And we went on for about 10 minutes, and I was going on and on about how I knew little Richie, and he was believing, and it was very funny. And my kids enjoy hearing the story today. But that was just kind of an amusing, amusing memory. Did you stay friends with that person? No, we had nothing in common, and that was our one interaction of my entire Wesleyan career. I have no idea who he was or what his name was. One day you'll find each other on Facebook or somewhere, and you'll be like, you were the Dick Van Dyke person. Anything you want to add? Yeah, I thought of, as you press the button, no, one, no, other, one other thing that I don't, I don't know if it'll add to anything, but it's when I was thinking coming. of memories, I was actually a January freshman, and I don't know if they have those anymore. Sure. Yeah, I, for some reason, they had January freshmen back then. There was a whole group of maybe 50 freshmen who came in in January, and I was accepted as a January freshman, and I remember my guidance counselor said, you shouldn't go there if they don't want you in September. I just wanted to go to Wesleyan, and I felt that it was a blessing in disguise because, as I had mentioned, my father passed away in October of my senior year of high school, and I'm an only child, and I'd never been away from home before, and it was a gift to me to not have to be away from home and leave my mother alone for a full year for the first year. So I took a few courses at a local college just just to keep busy, you know, keep my mind busy. And I started in January, and I loved it. And I remember they had some kind of orientation program for the January freshmen. And I remember making a cup of tea in my room with my little hot pot. And I, the campus seemed so big and so strange to me. And I had to go to some other part of the campus. And I put on my wool coat, and I took my cup of tea, and I went outside. And I slipped in the ice and snow. The tea spilled all over. I started crying. I picked myself up. I went back to my dorm. I skipped whatever it was I was supposed to go to. (laughs) And I survived, and I did perfectly well without my little orientation. But I just remember feeling so forlorn at the beginning. And now, even my daughter, who's 13 years old, she keeps saying that she's going to Wesleyan. And my husband was asking her today, why do you want, why do you think you want to go here? What is it about Wesleyan? Just as we were driving up to the campus today, what is it about Wesleyan that makes you think you want to go here? So she said, well, she likes the fact that it's so diverse and that people accept each other. She said that it feels like home. She could imagine feeling like she's at home here. And the only other campus she's lived on at all has been Penn State because she went to a science fair science fair event there for a long weekend last year. And she said it was fun there, but she couldn't imagine it being like home. Um, and it's interesting. I mean, she, she's been here several times already also. But it is a very beautiful, inviting place here, even if you do <laughs> fall in the ice <laughs> at the beginning. That was Diane Stein, class of 1981. 
Her son Matthew is in the class of 2016. The Wesleyan Storytelling Project is an opportunity for alumni to share their memories of Wesleyan with each other and the wider community. To record your own story or to suggest someone we should invite into the booth, visit westconnect.wesleyan.edu storytelling.